0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Okay, church, listen, listen. Um, this morning, I want to start our Bible study with an illustration. It's an illustration I found that really spoke to me, and I believe it'll speak to you, so I need you to tune in. So here's what happens when we start a Bible study, everybody's kind of getting their bearings straight, kind of figuring out what's happening or where, where we are in the text, but, but tune in. Tune in, because I want you to really hear this, because I believe it illustrates what God is really wanting to minister and speak to us this morning. And the illustration goes like this. Though many of us have seen pictures of a huge eagle's nest, high in the branches of a tree or in the crag or of, of a cliff, few of us have ever gotten a glimpse inside. When a mother's eagle builds her nest, she starts, listen, with thorns, broken branches, sharp rocks, and a number of other items that seems entirely unsuitable for the project. But then she does something interesting. She lines the nest with a thick padding of wool, feathers, and fur from animals that she's killed, making it soft and comfortable for the eggs. So you understand, I'm going to read here just a little bit, but she starts her nest off with thorns and, I mean, think about this, this. This broken branches, sharp rocks, that's underneath. By the time the growing birds reach the flying age, the comfort of the nest and the luxury of free meals make them quite reluctant to leave. That's when the mother eagle begins stirring up the nest. With her strong talons, she begins pulling up the thick carpet of the fur and the feathers, bringing the sharp rocks and the branches to the surface. As more of the bedding gets plucked up, the nest becomes more uncomfortable for the young eagles. Eventually, this and other urgings prompt the growing eagles to leave their once comfortable abode and move on to more mature behavior. I found that fascinating. You see, a mama's heart is to make sure that everything is comfortable and comfortable and comfortable, but this eagle says, okay, it's time for you to grow up, it's time for you to mature, so she takes off the comfort, and eventually it prompts the young eagle to grow up. Now the reason I tell you this story, I believe that basically it illustrates five powerful admonitions, if you will, that Paul is going to teach us this morning. And what you and I need to grasp very quickly, you got to jot this down somewhere, this is not a comparison to unbelievers. In other words, Paul's not saying, hey, you're a believer, I'm going to compare this to your non-believer friend at work. That's not what he's saying. Remember, Paul is is going to preach and teach to the church, so it's not a comparison. Jot this down. It's a contrast. It's a contrast. You see, it's easy for us to look in the world and go, "Well, I'm not as bad as that guy. I'm not as bad as so." Well, you should see my coworker. Boo! This guy man, psh, he drinks and he cusses and all. No, I'm 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 a saint compared to him. That's not what Paul is saying. You understand that? In the whole book of Ephesians, it's wrapped up and it's so a meaning. And so what he's saying now is he's going to start to take away the comfort. And he says, hey, you and I, well, we should be maturing in the Lord. This is how you should be maturing. Now, it's a contrast, remember, to those who are still caught up in verses 17 to 19. You go, what do you mean? Well, let me quickly remind you, because we talked about it two weeks ago. And of course, last week was Resurrection Sunday, and we took a break from Ephesians. So by way of reminder, here's what we learned. That sometimes believers refuse to grow up. Sometimes believers refuse to grow in the Lord. You remember the jingle, right? I don't want to grow up. I'm a toyser. And we talked about that, but they're not talking about being a toyserous kid. But you have believers, Paul says, that are refusing to grow up. They're refusing. And we discovered seven signs, seven signs that you're not growing in the Lord. Now, if I can have your attention for just a moment, this should be the natural reaction of somebody who gets saved. Somebody who gets saved, you ask the Lord, It's you're, you're born again from above, it's a work of God's Spirit, it's not the pastor that leads you or so forth, it's a work of God's Spirit. Can I get an amen? amen? The pastor is instrumental, or the person is instrumental, but it's the work of God's Spirit in your heart. At that point, you're like a tender plant starting to grow. And you have the water of the Word, and you have the sun, and you have all of the stuff to help you grow. But sometimes Christians go, nah, nah, not going to grow. I'm not going to grow. Can you imagine if you're a green thumb in here and you decide, hey, I'm going to try to grow a garden. I'm going to try to grow things. And then, and then your plant said, I don't like the way you're doing this. I'm not going to grow. You do everything in your power to help that grow. So we should be growing. But Paul says there's seven signs that you're not growing. And you go, what is it? First and foremost... Jot this down is found in verse 17. It says that you should no longer walk as the Gentiles walk. You go, what does that mean? He says, listen, guys, you know how you know you're not growing? If you're still worldly. Worldliness. Worldliness. You go, well, what's worldliness? I'm not sure. As believers, am I on? Okay. As believers, when you're walking in the flesh, and you're causing division with people. When your heart hasn't changed to walk humble under the submission of Jesus. See, worldliness, listen listen, Christian, worldliness is when you fight for your agenda. Well, this is how I think it should be. Instead of walking in humility, and being a blessing to those around. Paul says, you're still walking like you did when you first got saved. You're still walking like that. Church, listen to me, and, and, and this is an admonition not only to you, but to me as well, so don't feel like I'm on a high pedestal looking down on you. We should be the same person at home than we are in the church. And we walk in, and go, hey brother, how are you? Good to see you. God bless you. And there, and then your wife looks at you, you, go, that's not how you are at home. You're awful. You're mean. You're ugly. You have a bad attitude. You throw yourself, whatever it might be. We need to be the same, but we need to go, Lord. I don't want to walk world. I don't want to walk the same way. I want to grow. And He says, okay, so number two, here's the second sign. You have futility thinking. Futility thinking. You go, what does that mean? Walking in the futility of your mind. You go, I'm not sure what that means. Well, we talked about it two weeks ago, but here's what it means. It means the futility of the mind is to think and live without any regard to God or eternity. You just live how you want it. This is how I think. This is how I am. I'm going to do it. Well, what about God? huh? But you're a Christian. You're a Christian. You're Christ-like. Well, how can you be a Christian without thinking of your heavenly Father or eternity? That's all we do. That's who we are. It should be about God. It should be about our Heavenly Father. Are you kidding me? And the Christian that's not growing is his mind is, is, is full of things that have no regard to God or eternity. As a matter of fact, Paul goes on and he says, as a matter of fact, the third one is darkened understanding. Darkened understanding. He says, having their understanding darkened. In other words, their minds are full of darkness. That's what blows us away. That's why the world looks and goes, well, your church is full of hypocrites. The church is full of hypocrites. Because we have darkened understanding. You go, well, no, you call yourself a Christian, but you're still thinking very evil thoughts. You're still doing what the world does. Are you growing? Ah, I want to grow. He says, well, let me give you a fourth sign. He says, you have a hard heart. You have a hard heart. He says, their minds are full of darkness. They wander from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and they've hardened their hearts against him. Church, Here's my admonition to you. Don't harden your heart against the Lord. You see, chapters one through three, we've been given such an amazing blessing. We have spiritual blessing in high places. We were once dead. He's made us alive. There's so much he gives us in the first three chapters. But, but Paul is saying that there's some believers that harden their heart in their heart. And as believers, we say we have no rights to say, well, this is how I am. And we harden his hearts against the truth, which cannot come and change us. We should walk in every Sunday morning, every Wednesday night, and ask the Lord Jesus to change us, to help us to grow. When we walk and go, man, I've been walking with the Lord 50 years, I already know it all. I've read the Bible 500 times. That's not what God wants. God goes, no, no, no. See, the truth of God's word is so deep that it can continue to grow and continue to grow and to continue to grow. And the one person that I can I can just totally, Pastor Chuck Smith, the founder of Calvary Chapel, at age 80, he's still preaching the word, and he would say, I'm still growing. Wait a minute, Pastor, you've been preaching the word for 70 years almost, and are you kidding me? You're still growing? Absolutely. And Pastor Chuck probably forgot more than I'll ever know. But he's still growing. My question to you, church, listen to me. Are you growing? Do you do you still go, Oh change me, God, change my heart. Change my heart. I want to be more like you. I want to, That's what church is about. We come in here and we get equipped and we let the word read us, and it's a beautiful thing when we're convicted. Come on, somebody. Why? Because we think, well, I don't want to be convicted. I don't want to go to church and be convicted. I want to go to church and I want to feel good. I want the pastor to high-five and say, you're doing great. Go out the door. Be fruitful. Amen. I want to feel convicted so that I can I can grow. I can grow. I heard something last night. Um, one of my favorite pastors is Ed Taylor from Calvary Aurora, and, and he was speaking on triggers. Anybody know what triggers are? Triggers in your life? And it's when something happens and it triggers something in your life. But he said, those aren't necessarily triggers as believers. That's God revealing that there has to be some work in your heart. And I sat back and I went, huh. I always thought it was triggered. There are certain triggers that I was like, oh, that's a trigger. And, I'm... and he goes, no, no. So you need to ask the Lord, Lord, what, what do I need to learn and grow? What do I need to learn and grow from on this? I don't want to have a hard heart to where I go, well that's just a trigger in my life. This is what's happened to me all the time and so amen. Amen. I go, no, Lord, that's a it. Well, it's not a trigger? No, you're revealing. See, God is so good that every one of us, he begins to reveal things in our heart and it doesn't matter if you're 8 or 80. He wants you to grow. Okay, you ready? This is this is it's called progressive sanctification. It means you're growing like Jesus each and every day, each and every day, slowly. Now, you're not going to graduate until you go see him. That's when you're glorified, the glorification. But every day. Now, pastor, I gave my life when I was 17 years old. Well, how old are you now? Well, I'm 77. and you should be walking closer in such wonderful, seasoned with grace. And we should never be like the movie Grumpy Old Men. We shouldn't. Because that's not God. God says you should be seasoned with grace. And the older you get, you should just be, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm wonderful. How are you? Number five, Paul says, this is a sure sign you're not growing. You have no sensitivity to sin. Ephesians 4.19 says, He who past feelings have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness, He goes, you being past feelings, in other words, you have no sense of shame. It means senseless, shameless, hopeless, the ultimate result of a long processing of harbit or habitual sin. In other words, you can do something and you have no sensitivity to sin. And then he says, number six, let me give you this one. He says, you've given yourself over to sin. Once you, once you've lost sensitivity, once you've had a hard heart, he says, and they've given themselves over. They're like, yeah. And it means to indulge in every kind of impurity. Now remember, remember church, there's two things. He's not, he's not comparing us to unbelievers. He's saying, he's saying, you shouldn't walk like you used to. Something should have changed. Something should have changed. You should be different. The world should be looking at you and you should be different. He says, but sometimes we get in a place where we're just have we, we just indulge. Hey. So whatever we say, you know that I'm not gonna try anymore. Well, this is who I am, this is how God made me. I'm just a lust, I'm just luster, I'm just a I'm just a whatever it might be. I God made me a gambler, God made me an angry, I mean however it might be. And he goes, No, 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 don't give yourself over to that sin. Part of that is you saying to the as a tender plant, I don't want to grow up. I don't want to grow up. And of course he says the last one, the last sign we talked about two weeks ago was uncleanness or greed. Greed and greediness and uncleanness um, go hand in hand. And though greediness here includes all kinds of self seeking. Self seeking. Church, if you're being honest, and I'm being honest, when you see a believer, a professing believer and they're greedy, they're selfish, they have a hard heart, they have no sensitivity to sin, any of these things, what is your reaction? Your reaction goes, I'm not really sure if they're saved. Because that's not what salvation looks like. That's not what salvation looks like. Now, what we have to understand, sweet church, is that this is not meant to offend anyone. So please don't go, well, I'm offended because I've, I've struggled with this. Um, it's not meant to offend. It's, what it's really is, it's basically to go, hey, here's, some, here's some, some things that you have to look at and go, Lord, am I, am I growing spiritually? Am I still? Again, it's not a trigger. Well, he didn't, have to, he didn't have the right to tell me it's a hard heart. I'm not going back to that church. No, 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 it's, it's going, Lord, where am I? Where am I? I don't want to have a hard heart. It's very easy to have a hard heart as a believer, the things that happen in the world, but we've got to go, no, 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 no. So what does Paul do? He goes, let me, let me help you. I want to give you two imperative, two action points, right? And he calls them the put-offs and put-ons. Look at verse um, 20 with me, because I want you to tune in. Here's what he says. He says, but you have not learned Christ. He's talking to you. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, As the truth is in Jesus, what should I do? Verse 22, that you put off concerning the former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, so that you put on the new man which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Your attention, please. In order to understand what Paul wants to teach us next, we have to grasp what he just said, okay? Well, what did he say? Number one, he says, this is what believers should do. They should throw off, put off, take off our old sinful nature and your former way of life. Why? He goes, because it's corrupted by lust and deception. Put off. You got, I'm saved. I'm saved. I took that off. I took that off. That's what he says. This is what should happen. This is what should happen. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, that nature's gone. I'm not drawn to that. Oh wait, 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 Ben. Um, You know what? Listen, this kind of music, you know, you're having a good, that's sort of a trigger that, no, 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 it's not a trigger. Think about that. Maybe God's revealing that you haven't dealt with that in your life, and now let's deal with it, let's confess it, and then let's move and grow on. Well you're saying that I can't listen to music? I really like my 80s band. Music guys is neither saved or not saved. Music is music. But what music does to you. You got to be careful. Because if you're listening to a song that takes your mind back into a lustful time in your life, you take it and you're like, "Oh, I remember that song. Yeah, I was with I was with Betty Sue or whoever it was." that's, that's going to bring things out that, that, doesn't, that, that the Lord has, has paid for, he's died for. So you've got to be careful. Oh, Lord, I want to be careful. I want to be careful. I want to be careful. Worship music does the same thing, but in a beautiful, positive way. When you first got saved in whatever music, whatever genre was coming, whatever, if it was Maranatha or it was whatever it was, that's the kind of music that you're like, oh, I remember. I remember. Oh. Oh. On Good Friday, I asked Anthony to come up and lead worship. He led worship for three hours straight. And I think he did every every song I've ever heard growing up at the Calvary's. And I sat right there, and I just, that was good for me. It was good for me. And it brought me back to the place where I was like, wow, Lord, wow. I remember that. I I remember when we first... When I first got saved, my friend, my best friend, introduced me to Jimmy Swaggart, his his piano playing, and um, and and I'm 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 17 years old, right? Nobody listens to Jimmy Swaggart worship or whatever. I mean, I'm seven. I'm I'm listening to. Never mind. I won't tell you what I'm listening to. But you guys, but he's like, hey, listen to this. And so, even to this day, I'll listen to some of old Jimmy Swaggart stuff, and it just reminds me when I first got saved. And it brings me and it strengthens me, guys. So I wanna I wanna what I wanna throw off the old nature. But he says, You gotta do something. What's the imperative? Drop this down. He says, You gotta put on the new nature. The new nature created to be like God. Righteous and holy. That's what he's calling us to do. Now, in anywhere of this, did he tell you that you have to be perfect? Did he tell you that, I mean, he said, just put on the new nature. Let me do that work in you. You see, oftentimes we hear, well, i got to put off. Here's what happens. If you go home and you put off your old clothes that you've been working in the yard with that are all dirty, what do you have to do? You have to put on clean clothes or else it could get scandalous. You understand. So we put on, we take a shower, we put on clean clothes, and that's what he's doing. He says, He says, put on these things, put on these things. I'm not calling you to be perfect. I know you'll never be perfect, but me in you. And so that's what he's telling us to do. So so you and I would go, okay, so what does that mean? What does that mean, Paul? Put off the old age and put on the new. He says, okay, well, that's where we're going to jump in. Verse 25, you're never too old to grow up, but I want you to say this word with me, contrast. Say it again. It's not it's not a comparison. Okay, he's not comparing this to our to our heathen friend at, at the job or or at school. He's not comparing that. Those guys, you know, he says I want to contrast to the church. Where are we? Let's note it. Verse 25. You guys with me? Ephesians 4:25. Paul says, "Therefore, okay, putting away lying, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor." For we are members of one another. Guys, whenever we see a therefore, we always need to go back what it's there for. And he says basically what we just covered. He says, he says, listen, this this, there's seven signs you're not growing. And here's what I need you to do put on, take off that old stuff, throw away that old nature. It's done. He's dead. You understand that. So part of putting off. The old nature is realizing that you died. And I'm curious, do you have an obituary of your life? You said, that's really weird, Pastor. No, 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 interesting. Last night I was sitting on my recliner and I was going through old pictures, I was going through old pictures, and I realized that I had saved a clipping on my phone of a person by the name of Benito Martinez, who they used to call Benny, that was me, who died in 2020? The only difference was he was 10 years older than me, and I looked at it and I was like, "Wow, that's what my obit's going to look like in real life." It might say "pastor" now. I mean, I get that, but but on a spiritual sense, when you put off the old nature, when you got saved, that person died. There's obituary. His obituary. And then the resurrection, come on somebody, you're going to get this, It's when the new person comes up and goes, hey, but I'm still alive. Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ who lives in me. That's the life you live, Christ living in you. You're like, okay, I'm with you, I'm with you. So, what should we do? He goes, Paul's really simple. He says, "Um, therefore, putting away lying you ready stop lying stop telling lies that's what he says he says let us tell the neighbors our truth for we are all parts of the same body guys if you have a pencil handy um, putting away in the greek i want to show you this it's very interesting because he says having putting away once and for all He's not going, well, I lied for a season, <laughs> or I'm not lying for this. I'm reading really, really good. I'm not lying. Paul says, no, no. Therefore, once and for all, as believers, you need to stop lying. You need to stop lying. You see, it's never, we're never too old to grow up. Paul's saying it's time to grow up. How do we grow up? As believers in the Lord Jesus, guys, we need to stop telling a falsehood. Stop lying. As a matter of fact, several other places, but Paul gives us a direct command. If you're taking note, Colossians 3 and 9. Colossians 3 and 9, he writes to the Colossians and he says this, Do not lie to one another. He says, Since you have put off the old man with his deeds. How, listen to me, look at me. How easy it is as believers to tell a lie. To tell a lie. We have to be so careful. We should always think before we speak. I know that some of us will tell a lie in order not to hurt somebody's feelings. Men? Men? Honey? Does this dress make me look fat? What are you going to say? I don't want to tell a lie, but then I don't want to sleep on the couch tonight. No, nah, baby, you've got to be fat for a dress to make you look bad. You're sweet. You're... The point is we do, we do. But, but Paul says, guys, just be honest. Baby, I love you. And don't ask me that question again. <laughs> don't lie. Here's what Paul says, but you should always speak the truth in love. In love. Guys, as believers, our heart should always be looking out for the other believer, for the other person. Okay, how is this? How is my speech going to affect them? Are they going to be edified by this? And I know that this is a hard thing, and I know I need to speak it, but. Just what he's saying. A growing mark of maturity is that we stop lying and speak the truth. Your boss comes in and he says, Hey, you got that report done? I sure do. I'll have it on your desk by tomorrow. Don't. We need, to, we, need to be, we need to be truthful. Well, I could get fired, but be truthful. That's, that's how he wants us to grow up. Be truthful. Just, just speak the truth. Speak the truth. A lie, listen, is a statement that's contrary to fact, spoken with the intent to deceive. With the intent to deceive. And you guys remember, Satan is a liar, and and Jesus calls him the father of lies. I don't want to be anywhere near related to Satan. What's the application? Once and for all, as we grow and mature in the Lord, let us not lie anymore, but speak the truth in all cases. Carefully considering our words as we should impart grace and encouragement to our brothers and sisters, you don't have to answer that very second. take a moment to think, take a moment. how is this going to affect him and be careful that's the first one stop lying paul Paul's really adamant about this, but he he gives us number two. Lotus the second illustration, very powerful admonition verse twenty six he says, be angry and do not sin. do not let the sun go down on your wrath nor give place to the devil. Now again Paul says he says, be angry, but do not sin so so he's saying that that there's an anger that's not sinful. you ever have a righteous anger? you ever have that? Oh I do when I see when I see when I see them going after our kids, when I see the world going after our kids and wanting to destroy their lives. I get angry. And there's a righteous anger. And church, we need to do whatever we can to stop that. They're trying to destroy. Listen, I've got a nine-year-old granddaughter. I've got a one-year-old grandson. And you guys know you have grandkids, you have grandkids, but they're trying to destroy. They're trying to destroy our college kids' lives. They're trying to keep filling them with worldly stuff. No, this is the Word of God. You see these three up front? They're going against the norm. Everybody else is running this way. They're going, no, we want to learn God's word. Guys, there's a righteous anger. But whenever we get angry, we don't allow it to stay and fester because then it gives the devil an opportunity. The devil and opportunity. As a matter of fact, Paul is quoting from Psalm 4 verse 4, and he's quoting from the Septuagint, which is the ancient Greek translation of the Old Testament, and Paul seems to acknowledge that the anger can be, um, can be unavoidable, but it also recognized that it can quickly develop into an occasion for sin. So what's he saying? As growing, maturing believers, we need to control our anger. Anger is an emotion caused by something that displeases us. Come on, somebody. In itself, anger is not a sin. But I want you for just a second to think, when you get angry, look at the circumstances. Why do you get angry? A lot of times we're really angry with ourselves, and we take it out on other people. Why? We're displeased with how we're living. We're displeased with our thought life. We're displeased with all of the things. And we say, no, no, no. But see, anger itself is not a sin. We've got to deal with that. The New Testament principle seems to be that a believer should be angry at sin, but loving toward people. So we should be angry at sin. It put my Jesus on the cross. It nailed him. Excruciating pain. My sin. Don't sin by letting anger control you. And don't let anger give Satan a foothold to your life. I think of Raul Reese. Raul Reese, when he first got saved, he was still a very angry man. And when Raul Reese would get in a fight with Sharon, of course, it's the first year, and he's saying, "I'm a Christian," she wouldn't believe him because of all the years. And he would get angry. He would say, "You know what? I had to take a walk around the park to cool down. I was so angry because normally he would, before he was saved, he would beat up on Sharon. He would he would break the house. He would do whatever. You know, that's how we men get angry. We we want to destroy stuff." But as believers now, we go, listen, I'm not going to give that a place to the devil. Listen, I'm going to take a walk. I'll be back. And, and walk and pray. And walk and pray. And walk and pray. Okay. And, and it's like, oh, I can't have them. I don't have them. Be careful with anger. Because I read an illustration on this where it said, a woman tried to defend her temper by saying, well, I explode and then it's all over with. <laughs> yes, replied a friend. Just like a shotgun, but look at the damage that's left behind. We have to control our anger. If you're here today and you do have an anger problem, take a step back and ask the Lord, what is it? What are you trying to teach me? Where is it in my heart? What have I not submitted unto your, unto your authority, Lord? What, what, what am I still lacking, God? I want to grow. I want to grow, and I seem to get angry. I seem to get angry. There are times in my life, you know, a true confession. Um, in my times that I was angry at a certain situation, whether it's in my marriage or in my own life, and I would take it out on our poor dog. Not that I would beat him or anything, but I would yell at our dog. Because he wouldn't listen to me. And the Lord knocks on my heart and says, Who are you really angry at? Are you angry, angry at your dog? Are you?" And I was so convicted. It's like, Lord, I'm sorry. He's a dog. He's your best friend. He, You know? And he say, I know, who are you really angry at? I wonder how many of us are angry at God because we felt like he didn't do what we wanted him to do in our lives. And we misunderstood who he was and how he worked, and, and we're angry at him. And there's a lot of people who are angry. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in God. God would never, a loving God would never do that. And and now the devil's come in and he's created a, a big gulf between him and God. What's the point, pastor? Hey, you're never too old to grow up. You're never too old. So Paul gives us a third point. Look at verse 28. He says, let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, what is good, that he may have something to give to him who has need. I love this. You ready? Jot this down. If you're a believer here and you're a thief, quit stealing. Quit stealing. This is in the present active imperative sense. He's saying, quit doing that right now. Quit stealing. And you're like, that's not a problem. I'll steal Nothing. Remember, this is one of the Old Testament, this is Old Testament, this is one of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not steal. Don't steal. Now, we've got a chat. We've got a chat. Why? Because right now, as mature believers, Paul is encouraging us, as you grow, stop stealing. Stealing what? Other people's stuff. Other people's stuff? No, I think it's more than that. Don't you? Don't you? We need to represent the Lord well. So we have to stop stealing. Well, like what? Well, I don't know if you know this, but murder is stealing another person's life. You go, yeah, that's not me. Bring it, Pastor. Okay. Adultery is stealing another person's wife. Coveting is a desire to steal what belongs to another person. A lazy work ethic is stealing from your employer. When you go, you give them eight hours. If you get paid for eight hours, you give them eight hours. You don't steal paperclips. Oh, they'll never miss it. You just don't steal. That's just what he's saying. He's saying, Pastor, you're getting really nitpicky. I mean, a paperclip, come on. No, but see, here's the problem. We'll take a clip, we'll take this. Oh, uh, I grabbed this, you know, whatever it might be. Now, if your employer gives you pens, take pens. I don't care, but you guys know the, the principle is is you can start very small, and then all of a sudden you end up in the news for embezzlement. Because that's how good the enemy is. Oh, nobody will find out. Nobody will find out. Listen. Take the money. Take the money. It's it's 10 bucks. What's 10 bucks? 10 bucks is 10. They're not going to miss 10 bucks. This is a million dollar coming. Take 10 bucks. And then it goes to 20. Oh, I stole 20. Nobody got them. And you know what? The enemy's really good. He'll let you. He'll let you. You think you're getting away with it. And then all of a sudden, guys, we read about you in the news. And this lady embezzled millions. (laughs) What? As believers, guys, he's saying, what's he telling us? He's saying, remember how you used to steal? He says, don't do that anymore. Don't do that anymore. As a matter of fact, you go, well, Ben, what, what should I do? He says, guys, work. He says, use your hands for hard work. And give generously to others who have need. That's what we should do. This is what a mature believer looks like. You know what? And and unfortunately, Joe's not here, but it's hard work, clean living. That's what it is. Hard work, clean. He says, work hard and and give. Listen, you're not going to take it with you. You're not going to take it with you. When you die, we're going to roll you right here. We're going to pray for you. We're going to have a great celebration of life, but not any of the money that you have is going to go with you in the coffin. I'll make sure of that. <laughs> oh, she, she don't need that. Wait a minute, he said don't steal. Yeah, there you go, I'm busted. But, but the point is, guys, the point, the, the point is, is again, work hard and, and, and bless people. Bless. I mean, think about it. Those, there's people who have needs in our world. They have needs. If we'll look around our neighborhood, if we'll look around, I mean, again, you don't have to sit there. But but he says he says that he may have something to give him who has a need. You got a need? Here you go. Here you go. That's that's a mature believer. I'm not going to steal anymore. I'm, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to work hard. Listen. The world is watching you, church. The world is watching you every day when you go to work. The world is watching you. Work hard as unto the Lord. We talked about this yesterday at our men's group, and we said, who's our ultimate boss? Who's our boss? Is it the guy? No, it's God. We work for God. We work for God. Here's the thing. Here's the thing when it comes to the workplace, honestly. Honestly. The majority of the workplace, the majority of the workplace, people are doing just enough not to get fired. Just enough. And then you come in and you're like, "Listen, I'm going to do I'm going to do my very best unto the Lord." Well, of course you're going to be ridiculed first and foremost and you're going to be attacked. Well, yeah, well, because but you don't understand, I work for God. And God says, "I'm not going to steal anymore. I don't need to steal time, I don't need to steal money, I don't need to steal lunch hour. I don't need to do any of this stuff. I'm going to honor God." I'm going to honor God. And then, when the Lord prompts me, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give generously. I'm going to give generously to those who need. I'm going to give generously. Because I can't take it with me. can't take it with me. Okay, let's keep going. Verse 29. He says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But what is good for necessary edification, that you impart grace to the hearers. Now grasp this, guys. Grasp this. He says, let no corrupt word come out of your mouth. The, the literal interpretation is insepid. Insepid, without a salt of grace. Without a salt of grace. So worthless, and then becoming corrupt, it actually includes foolish talking. Paul's going to talk to us in chapter 5, verse 4, where he says, foolish talking. It's opposite of what's good to edifying. Oh, See? This little thing in our mouth called our tongue gets us in a lot of trouble. It gets us in a lot of trouble. Paul says, as you grow, you should not have any in sepid without any salt of grace. That's what I was saying. As we get older in God's word, what comes out of our mouth should be edifying and full of grace and mercy. This is what he's saying. Here's my concern, Paul writes. The mouth and the heart are connected. The mouth and the heart are connected. What comes into your heart, well, the Bible says it like this. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Do you want to know somebody's heart? Listen to them talk. You'll know their heart. You'll know their heart. You want to know if a husband is in love with his wife listen to the way he talks Oh you know that old ball and chain I just I can't do anything that's not that's something that's coming from the heart guys let no corrupt what you put in your heart is going to come out through your mouth. And when we realize what God has done for us in the first three chapters, when he realized how he saved us, why are we not imparting that on people? Why are we not? Listen, you don't have to condone sin and be like, well, that's okay, I love you, buddy. But you don't have to. We talked about it yesterday, men, Remember? We don't have to knock somebody down to make ourselves look good. Well, because of you and so forth. Encourage people. See, Paul's still teaching under the power of the Holy Spirit to watch what we say, to guard our tongue. What you put in your heart will come out through your mouth paul says instead of doing that guys you should speak edification and part grace to those who listen and unlike the way warren wearsby says and he writes this let me quote warren wearsby he says the remedy is to make sure that the heart is full of blessing so fill our heart with the love of christ so that only truth and purity can come out of the mouth never have to say now take this with a grain of salt paul told us to put the salt of god's grace into everything we say He says, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt. That's Colossians 4, 6. And keep in mind that your words have power, either for good or evil. Paul tells us to speak in a way that we say and we build up our hearers, not to tear them down. Our words should minister grace and help draw others closer to Christ. Warren goes on and says, Satan, of course, encourages speech that will tear people down and destroy the work of Christ. If you need to be reminded of the power of the tongue, he says, read the third chapter of the book of James. Quote. That's Warren Wearsby. And I thought, I couldn't say it any better than that. Guys, this right here has the power to uplift or has the power to tear down? This right here. Now, we've already been told to speak the truth in love, don't lie. But it also, too, there's a way of doing it. Love is so, is so edifying. It's so edifying. Oh, there's a whole slew of this we can talk about. How do we talk to our kids? How do we encourage our kids? How do we reach their hearts? Sometimes, guys, and, and this is, I don't know, this is specifically in the Hispanic culture, dad is right no matter what. What Dad says goes, and it doesn't matter if he's harsh or whatever this is it and 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 it hurts and uh Paul says, Hey, you're growing in the Lord, and you need to encourage them. He says, Let no corrupt, let no corrupt speech, don't don't do it no in chapter five verse four he says, no, no." course jesting no dirty jokes <laughs> that's a good one yeah i thought he was a christian yeah that was a wow do you i now no yeah but but my co-workers were they were telling hey do you want to hear a dirty joke you know what you say no i'm good well, you think you're all holier than thou? He goes, no, you don't understand. I'm protecting my eye gate and my ear gate, and i, I got to protect my heart. Because what comes into my heart is going, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Does that mean what we watch on television too? So, So we're allowing this thing to dictate what comes into our heart. Oh, got to be careful, got to be careful. I wonder if we were to put this in our heart, that what would come out would be the Word of God. Makes sense, doesn't it? Now, back in our text, verse 30, um, seems to be out of place because it's not a contrast illustration. Um, so we'll come back to that at the end, but let's jump to verse 31. Here we give you the fifth one. This is the fifth sign you're growing and maturing in the Lord. He says, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ has forgave you. Guys, this is a beautiful mark of a mature christian that we're what that we're kind to one another that we're kind and we're tender-hearted and we're forgiving and we so many times forget that's how we used to be well if you would read the bible like me then you wouldn't be that way no you remember how you were like that when you first got saved But Paul exhorts us, guys, to get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, and harsh words. Harsh words and slander. And he says, as well as all types of evil behavior. He says, put off the old. This was sad when we're in the world. But we should not be characterized this as believers. Instead, we must be kind, tender-hearted, Forgiving one another. You go, forgiving? Yeah, the Greek word here is very interesting because it implies not only forgiving, but it's doing it with a gracious attitude. This is what Paul is saying. Paul uses the same word to describe God's forgiveness. God not only forgives you, but he does it with a gracious, loving attitude. God's not sitting there going, "Ah, Ben, 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 Ben. Again? <sighs> Gabriel, what am I going to do? Well, you're going to forgive him, Lord. Yeah, you're right. All right, I guess. Now, now move along. God doesn't do that to us, does he? When we come to him as Abba Father and he forgives us, he goes, Oh, mijito. Hey, my son, come here. I forgive you. I forgive you. Hey, but we need to grow. We need to grow. Why? Well, listen to me. You ready? At Calvary Chapel, it's okay not to be okay. But it's not okay to stay that way. It's okay to come in and go, I'm oh, messed up, man. And I says, amen. But it's not okay to stay that way. He wants us to grow. He wants us to mature. How do we do that? We stop lying. We stop lying. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to lie anymore. I'm not going to say, bitterness. Oh, get rid of Bitterness. Get rid of bitterness. Why? Because bitterness is the only thing that kills you. You're bitter at somebody else. Doesn't hurt them. Doesn't hurt them. You know how you know how a root of bitterness starts a little bit, and it grows into a big tree. Yeah, I forgive you. I forgive you. Yeah, Amen. He says, "Get rid of rage. Why are you angry?" The harsh words, man. That's a lot of work we got to work on, don't we? I can't do it myself. I need, I need the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit. But He says to be kind. You know what it means here, guys? Very interesting. It means to to keep becoming kind. To keep working at it. To keep working at it. It takes a lot it takes a lot pastor your point listen it's you're, you're never too old to grow up pastor i've been walking with jesus since i was 17 16 15 i gave my life when i was seven but he's saying grow up grow up you're never too old because he gives us five what he gives us five imperatives guys that that we should be maturing but let's double back to verse 30 because it seems like uh to me that we that when we keep the old man alive And we don't put off. We grieve the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 30 with me. He says, Paul says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed with the day of redemption. Here's the implication. The implication is that when we refuse to grow up, I don't want to grow up. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing, but I'm not growing in the Lord. It's like the Holy Spirit is going, oh. And he says, don't do that. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Paul here seems to indicate that poor treatment of others can constrain the work of the Spirit, essentially denying or resisting God's indwelling presence. Is this a Spirit-filled church? I don't know. How are we behaving? How are we behaving? Because we're here to love, we're here to, to encourage people, we're here to feed them the Word of God but it's all based on the Holy Spirit living in us. Now, you've got to go back. You've got to go back in your mind because Paul tells us he goes back. And, and I keep going back to this because this impacted me so much where he says, you know what? I'm praying that you would be strengthened with might through the spirit of the inner man. That, that's the one where he says, you've got to be strengthened because when you're strengthened with the inner man, when Christ dwells in your heart through faith, when you 're rooted and grounded, when you 're able to comprehend with the saints the width, the length the depth, and the height of god 's love, and that you are filled with all the fullness of God, guess what happens it 's easy to put off the old men yeah done i 'm strengthened in the lord i don't need it i don't want to do that it's easier for me to be kind to my wife it 's easier to be tender hearted. That's what Paul is saying. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And so now, as the Scripture read us, we take a step back and we go, um, "Lord, is um, am I grieving you? Am I grieving you? Because because I want to, I, I I don't want to grieve you, Lord. I love you. I love you. And then we'll let the Lord begin to focus on that. Part of this series for us, church is so that we can focus on the, those that are far from God, okay? So we're understanding how we should grow so that when we speak to our coworker, or we speak to the person at the grocery line or God gives us a divine appointment at our schools and our workplaces, then we go, yes, I'm seasoned with that. I'm seasoned with grace. I understand. I'm going to speak the truth in love and look for divine appointments, And don't freak out. I had one the other day. I was preaching divine appointments on Wednesday night, and then on Friday I had a divine appointment. I was like, oh, this is, you know, I mean, I was like. And then I composed myself and and began to share the gospel. But God's bringing them. God's bringing them. Remember, church, remember the eagle illustration? What God begins to do is he makes us uncomfortable in this lifestyle so that we can grow and mature. He's so say, oh, yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And he's wanting us to grow into strong, mature believers. And can I exhort you this? this, this we're headed in a world where, where, where the Lord's going to need strong, mature believers. We're headed in that world. We are, church, going to have to unify and be strong together. We can't be like the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt and they began to walk through Moab and such, that they weren't united together, that they had some stragglers. We can't have stragglers because that's when the Amalekites picked them off. We have to be stronger together, but we have to learn the word of God. And that's why Paul comes back and he says, Hey, listen, listen, let me, let me do this. He says, Bitterness, let it go. Wrath, let it go. Anger. Listen, Christians will disappoint you. Christians will disappoint you. We, we do. We're not perfect and we'll say the wrong thing or we'll do the wrong thing and, but we have to forgive. We go, Oh, I, I understand because I would do that. I, I forgive. Amen. We don't talk bad about anybody. We don't ever bring, we never break down somebody or someone's ministry or whatever it might be in order to make ourselves look good. We never do that. When we do that, in essence, we're complaining about God. God, well, you put the wrong person in place. Well, you put Pastor Ben as a pastor. I don't understand that I could do a better job. You probably could. I'm okay with that. But God called me. And so I have to be obedient to him. But I would never break down your ministry to make myself look good. And that's why you should never hear from this pulpit, well, that church does this. I mean, if it's a church that's nuts, I'll tell you. But But if they're teaching the Bible and people are getting saved, amen. Because we're all on the same team. We're all on the same team. All right. As we close, let me give you a more modern language so that, and I want you to jot this down. And, uh, and I'll give you the contrast as well. First and foremost, he says, a maturing Christian has integrity. Jot that down. Integrity. That's the first part. Wholeness. Integrity. You're not lying. You're speaking the truth, right? Here's the, he goes, you shouldn't be lying. You should be speaking the truth. Can I get an amen? Okay. Number two. Anger. That's really simple. Don't be angry. What's the contrast? He says, don't don't let the sun go down or give place. Can I just exhort you? I meant to do it earlier, but let me exhort you. Okay, ready? If you're married, don't go to bed mad. Don't go to bed angry. Here's a biblical principle. Don't let the sun go down because it will give the devil a place. Husbands, if you have to go say you're sorry, go say you're sorry. Don't let the sun go down. Wives, don't go to bed. No, biblical principle. Don't let that. It'll give a place to the devil. Get it right. Get it right. Number three, stealing. Stealing. Guys, don't steal. Don't be a thief. He says, instead, work hard. Give those who have need. Number four, he says watch your communication. Watch how you talk. Okay? Don't let no corrupt words. Don't 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 try to dismantle somebody, you know, don't try to He says, "You know what? Edify them. Encourage them. Uplift them." You know, look at somebody and say, "I'm proud of you." I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you, Haas. Because you don't, you don't know where this man came from, and you don't know what he's been through, and you don't know what he's... And, and I'm proud of you, buddy. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you too, Pastor. Amen. Amen. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. He says, all malice, let that go. And he says, forgive. Forgive. I need the Holy Spirit's help. Wouldn't you agree Heavenly Father, we thank you today for your word, and Lord, we need you so much. Paul is getting to the nitty-gritty of my soul, God, and I've never seen Ephesians like this before. Lord, I've taught certain passages, and I said, don't do this and don't do that, but Lord, to really think about, Lord, the contrast, Lord, he's not comparing me to the world. The world is going to do all of this, Lord. The world is going to lie. The world is going to be angry. The world is going to steal. The world is going to speak bad about us. Lord, the world is going to um, have bitterness and wrath and anger and all of this stuff. I get that, Lord. But when my fellow brother or sister is this, or I'm like this to them, then, Lord, I've sinned against you. Lord, would you check my motives and help me to be a strong believer in you? Help me to be a strong believer in you. Help me to walk. Help me not to grieve your Holy Spirit, God. Because you've sealed me with him and I don't want to grieve him at all. And I don't want to take the Holy Spirit and watch something that's not pleasing to you. And I don't want to take the Holy Spirit and hear something that's not pleasing to you. And I don't want to hear dirty jokes, Lord, because the Holy Spirit lives in me. And I don't want to do any of this, not because I am better than anyone else or I'm more holy than anyone else, but because you live in me. And that's enough. That's enough. Help me to, Lord. Um, Lord, just, just... can't think of the word, God, but just draw closer and and cultivate my relationship with you to that it's a sweet-smelling aroma to all those around me. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you today. Hey, with every eye closed and every head bowed, I never want to leave a meeting without giving you an opportunity and inviting you into the family of God. You might be here today and you say, Man, I've never given my life to the Lord. You might be watching online and said, I've never I've never responded to an invitation. But today I just want to give you an opportunity. With every eye closed and every head bowed, is there anyone here that would say, Pastor Ben, would you pray for me? You were saying some things about about all of this stuff and it made me realize uh Well, it made me realize, Pastor, that I'm not growing and I'm not maturing and and, and I have to do a heart check and I have to made me realize that I've backslidden from God and I'm ready to surrender and come back to Him. I want to grow. And if that's you, I sure would love to pray with you. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, how many of you would say, Pastor, pray for me? All you have to do is just lift up your hand and I'll see you. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else just say, N- I-, 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 I got you. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord, for this hands, Lord. All of us should be raising our hands going, Lord, I'm, I want to grow. I want to grow in you. I haven't grown. I've allowed other stuff. I've allowed weeds in my heart, God. That's growing in my heart. And so now I'm asking you to pull the weeds, Lord, and cultivate the dirt in my heart. Make it soft. Make it make it palatable, God. Make it to it can grow. I give my life to you, Lord. I surrender to you in Jesus' name. Amen.